Everything good with you? I've been okay, man. I mean, you know, things are okay. You know, just trying to keep my head above water. Just been listening yeah. to a lot of music, man. It helps. That's good, man. That's good. Speaking of, I mean, have you dropped anything new? I know back in the day you had some, some good stuff, man. You know, anything going on with that? Nah, man. I mean, I haven't really done music since my wife passed away. I feel that, man. And I'm, I'm sorry I couldn't make the funeral, man. I'm not apologize about that. Oh, yeah, that's okay. But I know one thing, man. I was a God-fearing woman. And you know she would have wanted you to sing in the church, man. You had a great vision. Great vision. I just know. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, man. You know what, man? I'm, I'm sorry. I, I shouldn't have wasted your time. I'm, I'm just, I'm not ready for, for stuff like this. You know, I, thank you for the drink, man. But I, I just, man, no, 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 you good, man. I just, I just gotta go, man. I, thanks for the drink. Oh, no. For the drink, though. Oh, man. Jack, 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 man, 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 look. I'm sorry, man. I didn't mean to offend you. You good, man. But look, you know, this year due to the COVID stuff, you know, Easter Sunday's tomorrow, and it's actually gonna be online this year. You know, I would actually want you to watch it with me. I don't think so, man. I don't, that was my wife's thing. I don't really believe in that. I mean, but you never really gave it a chance. But man, look, just, just hear me out. And you gotta be a lot of people. Literally, just you and me. You can come over to the house, just watch it on the computer, you know, just like old times. Dude, stop trying to shove this down my throat. Like, I told you, that's my wife's thing. Jesus brought himself back from the dead, right? You believe that? Yes. Tell him to bring my wife back then. Be safe out there, man.
what's hey. good, bro? What's up, man? Hey, nice to see you. Good to see you, too. Yep, yep. Hey, you looking nice. <laughs> Thank you, man. Thank you. You are, too. But yeah, man, I really am happy you showed up, though. Yeah, I, I think I am, too, man. Yeah. Hey, but come inside. All right. Yeah, no, that's crazy, though, right? Easter Ooh. service is actually on a computer screen this year. I know, wow. <laughs> I remember last Easter, my wife getting all dressed up. <laughs> I remember that. You know what, actually, let me log in real quick. I think it's about to start up. Okay. Let's see. All right, there we go. Go with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and I am just going to read verses 3 through 8, and we'll be talking about that this morning. We'll be talking about the truth about the resurrection. I'll tell you what, this is a happy Sunday. It's an exciting Sunday. It's an awesome Sunday to know that God is on the throne. The devil thought he could steal our joy, right? But I guess when he planned this one out, he forgot that there would be an internet <laughs> and that the church still lives on. I'm reminded of the word where it says heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word will stand firm. And here's what Jesus himself said to Peter, on this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. If you have your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, let me just read verses 3 to 8, then we're going to pray and go into the word. Paul writes, for I deliver to you as of first importance what I also receive, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive. Though some have fallen asleep. Then verse 7 says, he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And I love verse 8. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also unto me. The question this morning before we jump into the text is, has he appeared to you as of yet? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for you. We thank you for the fact that you are God. We thank you for the fact that you're an awesome God. You're a wonderful God. You're a gracious God. You are a mighty God, Lord. So God, we know ministers and pastors and church leaders all over the world, God, are finding ways to deliver your word this morning. So God, as your word goes forth, I'm praying that you would just touch hearts. Open hearts, God, those that may be skeptical, those that may be doubtful, those that may not, be, not be sure of where they stand. That Holy Spirit, as we stand to say, thus said the Lord, I am praying that you would open our hearts to hear. Give me preaching power and strength, God. We pray for a fresh anointing, God, that as your word goes forth to these airwaves, God, be it Facebook, be it YouTube, be it the RCF network, God, wherever people are gathered around listening, May your presence permeate their hearts, God. So we give ourselves to you that you get the praise, the honor, and the glory. It is in your name we pray and thank you. Amen and amen. As you look at this text that is in front of us this morning, I just want to jump here. And the first thing I want to share with you as we kind of walk through the text is that today commemorates a very exciting time in the history of Christendom 
and in the life of every person who names the name of Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. The identifying element I've discovered that differentiates Christianity from all other world religions is the truth that we serve a risen Savior. Come on, I don't know where you find yourself, but just come on, say amen. You see, no other religion can lay claim to that truth that they serve a risen Savior. It doesn't matter where you find yourself, be it Buddhist, be it, you know, um, uh, you know Nation of Islam, whatever you choose to worship, I, I've discovered that Christianity is the only religion that can say we serve a risen Savior. And, and that's why we celebrate, that's why we are excited, that's why today is so precious to us, is because we serve a God that is not dead, he's a God that is alive. So when you look at this text that's in front of us, here is what Paul trying to do. Paul comes to the believers at Corinth, and Paul is trying to encourage them, and he opens up this text to remind them of the resurrection of Jesus on this Resurrection Sunday, where he opens up in verse 15. Look at chapter 15, verse 1 and 2. Here's what Paul says. Now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you receive, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached unto you, unless you believe in vain. So I could imagine from time to time, these Corinthian believers were getting this courage. I could imagine from time to time, they, they were anticipating that Christ would return. But even though he had just left, it seemed like forever to them. And so Paul wanted to encourage and remind them that Jesus got up and that he would come again. So here is the, Paul decides to share five simple truths. And I just want to share five simple truths with you to encourage the believers to let them know that Christ rose from the dead. And, and here's the thing he said, number one, you've got to know that he died. Number two, you've got to understand that he was buried, right? Number three, you've got to know that he was buried. And number four, you must recognize the truth that he lives. And I'm going to talk about a fifth one in a little while that I want to share with you. But let's look at this text. Paul starts off by saying, for there to be a resurrection, there must have been a death. I want y'all to get this, right? So notice how he opens up. He opens up in verse 3 by saying this. And the first thing I want to share is that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. Here's what Paul says. I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. Here is what Paul is saying. You see, in the mind of the Jews that were there, the Jews that were probably listening and that were present at the crucifixion of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I, I could imagine that they thought, and if you were watching with us on Good Fridays, we saw the seven last saying of Christ on the cross. These people thought that they were putting a mere man to death. They had no idea that their actions were the fulfillment of scriptures. Come on, I want y'all to get this, you see. And, and what's more striking about the text is, is that these people were ignorant enough to believe that they were actually responsible for Jesus' death. 
Now, if you know Scripture, here's what he says, right? Jesus, he says, nobody takes my life. I lay it down of my own volition. I lay it down of my own free will. And the reason he laid his life down was because Scripture had already said, if you were to back up all the way to the book of Genesis, when Adam and Eve sinned, when they failed, there was a chasm that was created and man was separated from God because sin separated man from God. And God had released the word even back then that he would send his son, to come and die in the place of men. But while they were waiting, here's what was in place. There was this Old Testament sacrificial system where they would kill an animal and they would offer the blood of an animal. A lamb would have to be slain to atone for the sins of the people. So this lamb was a symbolism or it was killed symbolically to recognize the recompense or to reckon the forgiveness of sin. But if you were to look with me at this next slide in Hebrews chapter 9 and 22. Here's what Hebrew 9 and 22 says. It says, indeed under the law, listen to this, almost everything is purified with blood and without the shedding of blood, my Bible says there is no forgiveness of sins. Now, here's what you need to know about the Old Testament sacrificial system. You can kill all the lamb you want. You can kill all the goats you want. You can kill all the sheep you want. They're just there to symbolize your sins being forgiven. They can do nothing to forgive your sins. Look at this next scripture, right? Here's what it says in Hebrews 10. Here's what it says. For it is impossible, it says, for the blood of bull and goats to take away sins. So this is the importance of Jesus coming into the earth and the importance of Jesus' death. He died to take away the sins of the world so my sin can be forgiven, so your sins can be forgiven, so the sins of the entire world can be forgiven. And, and this is an important premise that need not be missed because this is basic to Christian understanding. You got to hear me. When Jesus died, he just did not die for no reason at all. He died as the sacrificial lamb to take away the sins of the world. Now, I need that to resonate for a little while because here's what you're going to A whole lot of folk have died because of sin. But when Jesus died, he didn't die because of sin. He died for sin. And I like that. Meaning that he died in my place and he died in your place and he died in the place of, of, of all those other leaders that may have died. They were good people who may have died to save others. I mean to, to relieve others from whatever they did. But none of them died for the sins of the world. Jesus was the only one who died for the sins of the world. And I need you to hear me say this resurrection morning. That's good news. Come on. That's good news that he died for the sins of the world. Here is how Franklin Graham says this, right? And look at this. Here's what Franklin Graham says. It was Christ who willingly went to the cross, and get this, and it was our sins that took him there. Now, this is very important that you get this because the only reason Jesus was on that cross was because I sinned. 
was because you sinned, was because the world has sinned. And it started way back in the book of Genesis. And the reason he went was to take away the sins of the world. So here's the first thing I want you to hear me say. There had to be a death. But the reason for the death was to atone for the sins of the world and to forgive our sins so we now have access to God because of the death. Here's the second thing I want you to hear. We're going to move along. And the second thing I want y'all to know is that Christ died, the second thing he died for our sins according to the Scripture. Look at what the Scripture says. Look at Romans chapter 8, right? Here's what it says. For while we were still weak, at the right time, here's what he did. He died for who? The ungodly. Look at verse 7. For one would scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one may even dare to die. And verse 8 of Romans chapter 5, I think that's my favorite verse. It says, but God shows. I like the King James. He demonstrated his love for me in that while I was yet sinning, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The song just said, Jesus went to Calvary to save a wretch like me. That's love, right? Here's the thing. I'll tell you what. That's love that God loved us so that he would lay down his life for a friend. Here's how the Bible said it. Greater love had no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for a friend. Jesus died for us. Now, look at the second thing. He died, number one. And number two, he was buried. That's what the text says, right? It says, I want to deliver to you a first report that Jesus died. And then secondly, it said he was buried. Come on, wherever you find yourself, reach out to your neighbor or tap yourself and say, Jesus died, then he was buried. I want you all to get that. Now, the importance of the burial the importance of the burial, that, that the burial was connected primarily with the death. This is important information. The death and the burial are interconnected in Scripture because what the death, the burial does, the burial solidifies the truth of the death. Here is what would happen in Jewish custom. In Jewish custom, when a person dies, here's what they would do in early Palestine. They would take that person, they would find expensive shrouds, and they would wrap the body in shroud. And, 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 and here's what the instructions were to the people that were wrapping the individual who died in shrouds. Make sure that that person is literally dead before you wrap them in the shroud. So here's the reason I'm bringing this up. Culture dictated that they had to verify the death of Christ before they even wrapped him in the shroud to place him in the tomb. Now, I need to say this. Don't miss the fact, and a lot of y'all noticed, that the tomb was not a permanent tomb for Christ. Old Baptist preacher used to say they laid him in a borrowed tomb. And for those of you that know that tomb, it was Joseph of Arimathea's tomb. And the reason I like the fact that they placed him in a borrowed tomb because he had no intention of keeping it. <laughs> I wish I had somebody there. He, he had no intention of staying in that thing permanent. Come on, y'all. He had no intention of making that his home. Matter of fact, if I were there, I wondered had he said to Joseph, hey, man, I just need this for three days. 
I wonder if that were the conversation, but it was a borrowed tomb, and they laid him in that tomb to signify the fact that he was dead and he was buried. But I wonder, does anybody in here know you can kill Christ, you can bury him, but does anybody know the grave cannot keep him in? Come on, do I have any witnesses wherever you find yourself in participating with us that the grave could not keep him in? Number one, he died, right? Number two, he was buried. But then here is the shout. Number three, Paul says, I want to deliver to you that Christ was raised from the dead. That's the third thing. Christ was raised from the dead according to Scripture. Now, here's the importance of that, right? When Paul says he was raised from the dead, here's what you need to know that's important in the text. He wrote that in what's called the perfect passive, right? Now, give me a moment with that. Y'all don't go to sleep on me. Here's what that means, that he has been raised implying that he was both raised and he is still alive. Oh, I need, I need y'all to, to kind of get this. Because here, here's the importance of the perfect tense, right? The perfect tense says that an action was completed, but then the action has ongoing results. And I really like that because when you look at the text, it's saying he was raised, meaning that even though he was in the grave and he spent some time day there, the grave has no effect on current reality. Jesus is alive. That's the perfect tense. In other words, he may have died back here, but then here's the good news. He was raised, and listen to this, and he continues to remain raised. It's not like Lazarus, or what, nor is it like the woman of Nain's son, right? Or Jairus' daughter, where they were raised from the dead, but then as time lapsed on, because of their human body, they died again. If you know anything about the resurrection of my Savior, he was raised incorruptible. Here's what that means. Death has no power. I wish I had somebody in him. The grave no longer has victory over him. He has been raised never to die again. That's the perfect tense. Now, before I get too excited, here's what the passive voice says, right? That, that, that Jesus himself didn't raise himself. Somebody raised him up. I, oh, my goodness. I, I don't know what to do with this, but if you know anything about the doctrine of the Trinity, one God eternally exists in three persons. So I can imagine it probably went something like this. God incarnated himself into flesh. Then he allows him flesh himself as flesh to come in the earth. Then as flesh, he dies. But before he dies, he says, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And he gives his spirit back to the Father. And the flesh God, Christ, the Jesus, the incarnated God, stays in that grave for three long days and three long nights. And I don't know how this happened, but the God that's in heaven looked down at the God that's in the grave and said, listen, it's time to get up. And God raised, come on, I wish I had somebody here, raised him from the dead. And that is good news, y'all. That is exciting news to know that Jesus got up. This is why we celebrate the resurrection. This is the victory that Christianity has 
over any religion. This is the excitement that we have. We don't serve a dead God. We don't serve a God. Come on, y'all. That's not with us. We serve a risen Savior. And somebody may be saying, preacher, why are you so confident that you feel he's risen? Let me, I'm glad you asked because look at the text, right? Look at the fourth truth. Look at the fourth truth. The fourth one is this, is that he is still alive today. And I, I'm glad you asked me how I know that, right? Look, look at verse 5. Look at verse 5. Verse 5 says this, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time most of whom who are still alive, though some has fallen asleep. And look at verse 7. Then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. Listen, just, just repeat out to me. I know you may sound crazy talking to yourself if you're watching this by yourself online. But if you're watching it with someone, just say to them, say he appeared. Come on, say it again. Say he appeared. Now, here, here's the importance of that. Let me see if I can do justice to this by giving you this illustration. If I went to the store and I saw Derek in the distance, here's what I can say. I come back and I say to you, hey, I saw Derek in the distance. Now, you could safely argue the veracity or the truthfulness of my statement by saying to me, you didn't see Derek. I can say, I saw Derek all day long, and you can argue with me all day long back that you didn't see Derek. You see, the problem with me making the statement, I saw Derek, can be twofold. It could be this. I may have saw him, but he may not have seen me. Come on, y'all talk with me. And, and it depends on who you speak to. Are you with me? If you speak to me or if you speak to Derek, it's going to dictate the veracity of what I'm saying. The other problem with, with my statement that I saw Derek could be the issue of mistaken identity. Meaning, I could see, say I saw Derek, but it really wasn't Derek because it's Pam's birthday. Pam could be saying, no, nah, baby, he was home with me. And I might say, well, it sure looked like him. Head had the same shape. Stomach had the same shape. Amen. Walk was the same. Oh, come on, y'all not hear me. I, 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 I could, you know, but, but, but it could have been another person who might have looked like Derek. Are you with me? But it wasn't Derek. And if you ask Derek who, was he there? Derek could say, no, I wasn't. And you'd say to me all day long, you're just saying you see him, but you didn't see him. I'm glad when I read the text. The authors didn't say, John saw him, James saw him, Peter saw him. Here's what the text says. He appeared. Ah, there's a difference, there's a difference, there's a difference. Because here's what you need to know about that. What that, that word is, it's the same Greek word that's used in the Septuagint, the Old Testament transliteration of the Hebrew text into Greek. When the, they use the word appeared, it's the same word that Paul uses in Corinthians. Here's what it looks like in Genesis, right? God appeared to Abraham. God appeared to Jacob. God appeared to Moses. Here's what that means. Here's what that means. There's no chance of the possibility of mistaken identity because appearance means that God took the initiative. I wish I had somebody in here. He took 
the initiative for them to see him. And, and here's what that looks like in the New Testament. Here Peter was going about minding his own business. And you don't have to worry about Peter saying, hey, I saw him and maybe he didn't see me. No, here's what it was. Jesus appeared. He just showed up in the presence of Peter and engaged him in dialogue. So if you ask Jesus, he would say, I saw him. And if you ask Peter, he would say, I saw him. Come on now. And he appeared to the 12th, and he appeared to the more than 500 brothers. I don't know about you, but that's my testimony. Here I was going about doing my own business. And what does he do? Show up. I think that's your testimony as well. He has a way of showing up, right? Of showing up. So he appeared to let them know that he's alive. So, so here's the thing. I know that he is still living because of the encounters with him. So, so lock into this. I, I wanted to share five things with you. I wanted to let you see, number one, the truth about the resurrection is the truth that he died, right? Secondly, I want you to hear the truth that he was buried. Thirdly, I want you to hear the truth that, that he rose from the dead. Fourth, I want you to know the truth that he's still alive. But all that is good without this fifth truth. Here's what I want you to say. The reason I know that he's still alive, number five, truth number five says, is because he lives in me. Ah, you got to get this. It's because he lives in me. Look with me, look with me at verse eight. Verse eight says, last of all, Paul says, he appears to me as the one, what? Untimely born, he appeared to me. One more time. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me. So here's Paul. I might not have been with Peter when he showed up. I might not have been with the apostles when he showed up. I might not have been with the 500 when he showed up. But I can say this. He showed up to me. And I recognize him. And he revealed himself to me. So you ask me if I know he's alive, I'm going to say because he lives in me, right? Here is an illustration by form of a story that I want to share with you that I'm going to wrap this up. There was a man, there was a man, there's a man by the name of Alfred Ackley. And Ackley was born January 21st, 1887. He was a preacher, he was a musician, and he was a songwriter. So one particular Easter morning in 1932, Reverend Ackley was preparing for his Easter Sunday services of the day. And as he was in his bathroom shaving, he turned on the radio in a time, time to hear the special Easter broadcast that was going on. And so here's what the host says. Let me, and I quote, good morning, the well-known liberal preacher began. It is Easter. You know, folks. It really doesn't make a difference to me if Christ be risen or not. As far as I'm concerned, his body could be as dust in some Palestinian tomb. And the main thing is, his truth keep marching on, end quote. Reverend Ackley was furious. Here's what he said. It's a lie. He yelled at his radio, forgetting that the person on the other side of the radio couldn't hear him. Well, Mrs. Ackley heard him. And she questioned, 
Why are you shouting so early in the morning? And here's what Reverend Ackley said. Didn't you hear that good for nothing, what the good for nothing preacher said? He said, it didn't matter where Jesus be, whether Jesus was risen or not. Reverend Ackley knew that the truth of the resurrection did matter, right? As evidenced by the conversation he had had with a young Jewish man a few weeks earlier. Here's the guy said, why should I worship a dead Jew, the young man asked. Reverend Ackley said, that's the whole point. He's not dead. He's alive. So Reverend Ackley was telling this same story a little later. As he said, and he preached his, his Easter service quite differently. And by the end of the day, he still didn't feel like his message had gotten off well enough. So his wife sees the situation, and she said to him, Listen here, Alfred Ackley, it is time that you do what you do best. Why don't you write a song about it, and then maybe you'll feel better. You have something that will go on telling the story even after you died. Well, that very night, Reverend Ackley grabbed his pen, and he sat behind his instrument, and he wrote out these words. And then he composed this song. Here's what he says. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living, whatever man may say. I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time I need him, he's always near. Then he continued writing. He, he, he created a second verse. In all the world around me, Reverend Ackley says, I see his love and care. And though my heart grow weary, I never will despair. I know that he is leading through all the stormy blasts. The day of his appearing will come at last. And he couldn't stop writing because he created a third verse. And he says, rejoice, rejoice, O Christian. Lift up your voice and sing eternal hallelujah to Jesus Christ. Christ the King, the hope of all who seek him, the help of all who find none other is so loving, so good and kind. Then Acti got excited at the chorus because he said he lives. He said he lives. He says Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and he talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives? Listen to me, church. He lives within my heart. And I stand like Ackley to say to you this morning, when I get lonely, I can feel him in my hands. I can feel him in my feet. I can feel him all over me. I know he lives because he lives in me today. And my hope and prayer is wherever you find yourself celebrating Easter with us, that you would take the time to say, man, he did die. He was buried. He did rise from the dead. He does live. And I can have him living in me? Man, that opportunity exists for you. I hope you caught this sermon from the beginning, our service from the beginning, but at the front of the service, we had two young brothers. And one, Jacob, was struggling with this fact of whether Jesus lived. He decided to join us online, and he chose to watch the sermon online. So I want you all to watch. Let's see what Jacob is doing. Take a moment and watch the screen. Then we're going to come back and talk to you some more. Let's see what's happening here. Let's watch that. Man. 
So, what you think about the message? I thought it was good, man. I thought it was really good. Um, yeah. I always thought my wife was tripping with this stuff, you know, but after that message, man, I mean, I, I believe, man. I, I believe Jesus rose, you know, and I, I want him to live in me. I, I want to I wanna give my life to him. How, how, do, how do I do that? First thing, man, start off with a simple prayer, all right? Bow your head, close your eyes. Hallelujah. Salvation is that simple. If you believe, all you have to do is say, Lord Jesus, or you want to believe, come into my heart and save me. This is the beauty of what Resurrection Sunday is all about. That wherever you find yourself, it's simply confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart that God raised Christ from the dead and salvation is yours. So I want to do a simple prayer Then we're going to wrap this up. Wherever you find yourself, if like Jacob, you've been struggling, you may be saying, that's for my wife, that ain't for me. Or if you're female, that's for my husband, that's not for me. Or maybe that's for grandma and them, that's not for me. It is for you. You can have Christ in your heart. If you want to accept him this evening, this morning, just bow your heads with me. We're going to say a simple prayer and God's going to move and have his way. Just repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus, I realize that I'm a sinner. And I realize that I have failed you. I thank you for Calvary. I thank you for dying for me. I thank you for being buried. I thank you for being raised from the dead. And I thank you for still being alive today. So God, I invite you into my heart. Come into my heart and save me. In Jesus' name. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, he's entered your heart. And you're a believer and you're on your way to heaven. Find you a good church home. Connect with somebody. If you don't have a church home or don't know where to go and you're watching RCF online, over on RCF Networks, we have some drop-down forms, clickable links, click on them, send your information, name, just say, I made a decision for Christ today. And we'll be amazed at what God is going to do. We're going to follow up with you. We're going to get you in, get you baptized, get the Holy Spirit just working in your life and grow you deeper in Christ. If that's your decision, we want to hear from you. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for joining. And for the rest of us, I want to encourage you. It takes resources to do ministry, especially on this Easter Sunday. If you are not a tither or support of the ministry, I want to encourage you to do that. Reach up if you're on the RCF network. On the top corner of that button, the, the website, there's a button that says give. Please give. You can text to give. You can go onto our website. You can participate. It keeps the ministry going even in the midst of this pandemic. We need your support. The church needs your support. I want to thank you so much. Make sure you give. Make sure you participate with us. Then I want to invite you to join us on Wednesday. We'll be streaming. We have a special broadcast program we're going to give you to help you to make it through this difficult time. Make sure you log in. Happy resurrection. Happy resurrection. The grave could not keep him in. And he lives. I know he lives because he lives in my heart. Tell somebody about the truth of the resurrection. God bless you. Thank you for watching with us. And God bless you.